Welcome to the favorites, the podcast from, from, for the first time, the Volume Network. I am Chad Millman of the Action Network. And guess what? Thank God the NCAA tournament is just days away. We are going to get into that. We are certainly going to get into that because a year ago at this time, we were wallowing in our fear and our disappointment, and we were adrift in uncertainty. And I am not sentimental at all. I do think what's happened this past year when it comes to sports being played is somewhat miraculous. The fact it was largely driven by greed. Who cares? The fact that college athletes especially have been treated differently, the exact opposite of the credo the NCAA lives by does not matter because we got a tournament, people. And our guest today is the Action Network's very own one-named wonder, Stucky, a man who loves college hoops so much he named himself after an obscure college basketball player. He will break down the tourney with me and ta-da, my official, official co-host of the pod, our new full-time Action Network colleague, Mr. Simon Hunter. Hello, Simon. Money, 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 money. Chad, I'm paid. I got health insurance. These, all these things have happened to me. I'm so excited. I, I got to tell you, I'm more nervous about hiring you full time than just about anybody. And that includes like hiring a, a guy named Stucky and a guy <laughs> named Darren Ravel. But we do have even bigger news. I mentioned the very first sentence, the volume network. That's right. This morning, it's Tuesday. This morning, it was announced that we have partnered with my good friend, Colin Cowherd and the volume team on a brand new partnership, The Favorites. Your favorite podcast listeners uh, is joining the Volume platform, the new podcast platform that Colin started last month. Obviously, we're super excited. I've known Colin for years. Uh, I was lucky enough that when we were both at ESPN and he had a football show on Sundays, he asked me to come on and he was the first one doing gambling segments on television. We've been good friends for a long time. I'm thrilled personally that we're partnering with him. I'm thrilled that Action is partnering with him and Volume because it's a great match because the guy has been so far ahead of the game and talking about betting he lived in Vegas. He knows the industry. He knows the space. He knows what audiences want. The fact that we get to do it together as two uh, companies is awesome. This podcast, The Favorites, will expand to two times a week. We will do it Tuesdays. We will do it Thursdays. Action Network analysts like Stucky and Simon will appear on Volume Podcast as well. You'll be able to follow Colin and everyone on the Volume team. Uh, many of them will be putting their picks in the Action Network app. I mean, that's legit, man. Yeah. Simon. You did it, Chad. All you needed was to bring on someone a little better looking than Scooch. And look what happened. We've blown up. <laughs> yeah. I want to give you some credit, but I have to give it all to Scooch. Thank you, Scooch, for leaving and letting us take off. You're so right. <laughs> all right. Now that the housekeeping is out of the way, let's get to some madness. March Madness has finally returned. And there's only one way to celebrate. Let's get gambling. 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 Stucky, how are you holding up now that we're, you know, 48 hours in before a tournament that's starting a day later? Do you like having it start a day later? Is it just more work to do, more time to prepare? Would you rather the games get going and Squires be at your beck and call? 
from a our app perspective, like getting content out there, it's it's helpful. Doing videos and podcasts and the extra day certainly helps, but it's a, it's just a long wait. Um, but you know, after last year, I will happily wait an extra day after not having a tournament. And it's funny that you bring up Stucky. I was just thinking about it. I was like, I picked that random name on a gambling forum in 2004. Now, besides like my family and my wife, every single person I know calls me Stuck. And that's like my name I go by on the app. Like it's, I just randomly picked it on a forum 15 years ago. Wow. But uh, yeah, I, I like it from a preparation standpoint, but uh, I'm itching for these games to get started. I can't wait for Friday. So let's, let's dive in. I can't, I can't wait for Friday either. And so look, the first thing I want to do, we're going to talk about the way we're going to break this down is we're going to talk about each bracket. I want you to talk about your upset picks in each bracket. And then I want you to tell us who you think is going to come out of that bracket for the final four. And yesterday, I got to say the content in the app has been amazing and you're driving so much of that. Um, and uh, yesterday you posted your three favorite NCAA tournament underdogs, you bet right away. I will make a distinction and I want you to talk about some bets that you see in each region as well. But when we're talking about underdogs in this context, I want to talk about winners. I want to talk about underdogs who are going to win. Uh, and so yeah, I think we- I, I just, just to piggyback on that, I have a piece that's coming out now that's entirely too long, but if you need to know about these lower seeds, it'll be really useful. I ranked the, the upset chances of, Teams rank 13 through 15, like you know, 16 seeds. Yeah, it's happened once. I don't care about them. I don't think there's any shot any of them win this year. But I ranked the th- and everyone has 12s or five. So I ranked the 13 through 15 seeds and their chances of an upset. And it's not just an order of seed or the line because, and we'll talk about this. There's when you're looking for an upset in a bracket, it's different than when you're betting because you might you might want to look for games with more variance. You might want to look for games with lower totals or three-point reliant teams um, that if things unfold a certain way, they might be able to pull off the upset. So uh, check that out. It'll be up this afternoon at some point. That's good. Uh, good big pimping right there. Yeah, but I'm just, just saying like there is a like it's a good point by you. It's a, there's a distinction between looking at the bets and then look trying to find an underdog to give you an advantage in the bracket. Well, yeah, look, like people who people who are picking brackets who don't know anything about March Madness, who don't know anything about college basketball, they just want to pick the winners for each round. But for betters, they're looking at the point spreads. And there's as many opportunities when you are looking at the point spreads in college basketball in March Madness as there are anything else because there's so many teams that bookmakers know they're going to get outsized attention on the public team, on the favored team, because that team might be more of a brand name than the team that you have been following all year. And I know there's a couple of them we can talk about that are prime for upsets or at least to keep the game close. And that's where there's going to be a lot of good, uh, a lot of good value. Um, let us start in the West because that has the number one team in the country. It has Gonzaga. Uh, and to me, it's also a region where uh, it could potentially be very chalky. Um, so let's, let's start in the West. Give me your take right now of the sort of upset contenders to actually win outright. Let's start with winning outright in the first round in the West. Yeah. And one thing I'll add on to what you just said is that in this year in COVID with all the interruptions, the shortened seasons for a lot of these teams, there's a lot of groups that are going to disagree on these games. And, you know, some of the math models, like if you look at, Ken Palm out there, and there's a, there's a number of them. 
they might be, in my opinion, overvaluing or undervaluing a certain team because you might look at this team and say, well, their season-long numbers aren't really reflective of who they are now because for a month they dealt with COVID, right? And the, for that month, they had a bunch of guys out. They were trying to recover once they came back. So that's what I think really makes this tournament interesting. Um, but getting to the West, yeah, I mean, it's it's tough to see anyone taking out Gonzaga getting through. But let's look at the first round for potential upsets. I think, and I agree with you, that this is the chalkiest bracket uh, region, I should say, of any. If you want to search, I mean, Cal Santa Barbara, they have an injury to one of their guards who's questionable. Ja'Cory McLaughlin is an excellent, I mean, just he, outstanding, high major guard. He can play at the next level for Santa Barbara. Just a solid all-around team, well-coached by Pasternak. They, they don't really have any flaws. They're just really solid. They have in, good interior play. They have good guards. That's a team that can scare Creighton, and if Creighton especially if Creighton has an off-shooting night. So um, I would look there. Uh, I also mentioned Eastern Washington, and the only reason I'll mention that and again, this is COVID uncertainty. So if you're looking for an upset in the first round, then you value uncertainty. <clears throat> and Kansas certainly has uncertainty. They're going to be missing Jalen Wilson, one of their starters. It's not a very deep team. David McCormick, their big and arguably best player, he's supposed to play, but he's still in COVID protocol. He's not traveling with the team until I think Friday or Saturday, the day of the game. So it interrupted practices. You're already missing one starter. So at, at Easter Washington is an excellent offense. Their defense is very questionable, but that's an offense that can score. That's a really intriguing one if you want to get a little crazy. And we've seen Kansas certainly get upset in the first round. And then my favorite one in the West is Ohio, um, who I actually have going to the Sweet 16. Um COVID uncertainty, Virginia. They're going to be missing one player. We don't know who it is yet. They had a pull out of the ACC tournament. Um, so who knows who that is? Ohio is playing as as well as any mid-major in the country right now. They have a pro guard who will be the best player on the court in Jason Preston, peaking at the right time. Defensive numbers are ugly, but they actually showed defensive effort last week. And a team that dealt with COVID for about a month. So they had guys out. Their numbers are a little deflated. This is a team that can shoot and score over that pack line defense, I think Ohio is extremely live. Everybody loves Ohio. Yeah, well, there's a lot of copying. And, uh, you know, I, I was obsessed with Ohio. I tweeted out right when the line came out. And it, now I think it's one of those trendy dogs, um, which stinks. But there's a, there's a lot of times when you look on Twitter and one person loves something and then everyone starts to love it. So you get kind of clouded and thinking, all right, does everyone really like Ohio? But on Twitter, it does seem like everyone now likes Ohio, which is a bit scary. But look, I trust my numbers. I trust the matchup. I trust Jason Preston. And then you have all the uncertainty with Virginia. Simon, how do you think about March Madness as a professional football better? <laughs> uh, I try to listen to guys like Stucky because like I knew nothing. I, I, I start watching when I get back from vacation, which is like March. So other than Duke, which I watch all season. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know much about college basketball. But when I when I try to do March Madness, I know a lot of people try to do the crazy upsets. I, I try to just end up with a couple twos and a couple of ones in the final four. Um, that's just always been my mentality where it's like, usually the best teams are going to win at, are going to win in college basketball. So 
where someone like Stuck, he can find these mat these matchups and find the value because these twelve and fives, like the all these different seedings, some of these teams are literally the exact same team. Like on any given day, you can win. So, like you were saying, there was crazy good line value. I jumped on a couple after like these guys posted what they liked, and uh, it's been crazy to see the line movement in some of these games. Some of these lines have already moved like three points since they opened up. So it, it's definitely pretty crazy. Which ones stuck? Which ones have moved the most since these lines opened? Uh, I mean, Ohio plus 10 and a half was just a bad opener. Um, I think I tweeted out as soon as that came out, like this is, this line is pure sex. Um, and that's at like, se- I think seven and a half now. Um, you'll get, and you'll get some resistance and buyback, but depending on who Virginia has out, it could drop further. Um, and Liberty, we can get to that when we get to the Midwest against Oklahoma state. I got some nine and a half there. That's down to seven and a half. Um, so there's been, those are probably, I think the two biggest movers so far that have moved two or three points, but there's been a couple that have moved a couple points. And are there any teams that like we should be avoiding because of COVID like teams that just haven't been right. Or they have like good players coming back from COVID that are just teams that you would avoid just because of that stuff. Yeah, I mean, the two teams that had to pull out that I just mentioned that had to pull out of their conference tournaments last weekend are Kansas um, and um, Virginia. So what are the effects going to be from that? Who is it going to be? Also, Georgia Tech announced today someone, and for privacy issues, they can't say who it is. Someone is going to be out this weekend against Loyola Chicago. Um, So keep your eye on there. Keep your eye on the news. But those are the two teams that had to pull out of their conference tournaments last weekend that um, I would probably avoid. There's just a lot of uncertainty there, especially from a bracket perspective. And I'm not in love with either team anyway, but, but I, but ultimately I agree with you and just, you want to win a bracket pool. You want to get like seven of eight in the elite eight. You want to get like 13, depending on the size of it, like 13, 14 of the sweet 16. And you want to nail the national champion and one good strategy. So like, I'd, I'd like to take like two or three, some ideally two 13 to 15 seeds that win. I never really haven't gone past the sweet 16. And then that just makes, all right, who do I want to pick as my sweet 16? A little easier if I nail them. But this year, if you want to try and have an edge on the field in a pool, I think you want to maybe try and pick a, a national champion that is coming from the Illinois or Gonzaga region. Cause I think a lot of people are going to have them in their final, including myself. Um, so Houston, Iowa, those are like good contrarian national title bracket pool winners. Yeah, well, that's interesting, right? So let's let's advance it a little bit because you did give Ohio as sort of a strong reference, which I think is the right one. And, and obviously, it's one that everybody is talking about. But as you see this going through and you say it's good to have sort of some of those lower seeds and say a sweet 16, let's say we're talking about a sweet 16 in the West other than Ohio, which you said can get there. Is there anybody else from that bracket that you think is at a lower seed that can get to the sweet 16? Yeah. I mean, look, Santa Barbara, if you want to roll with Santa Barbara, you got to check the status of one of their starting guards. They can certainly get there. I don't think any of the teams in Gonzaga's region or half of the bracket are capable of taking Gonzaga out, obviously any given day, but realistically, Gonzaga should cruise to the Sweet 16. And then Ohio, look, Ohio's an electric offense. Gonzaga might score 110 on Ohio. Um, so the, 
their run, which I hope it happens, will be fun, but the, the dance will end there. In the bottom half, it's like I don't I don't trust USC enough. They have a really talented player, and Evan Mobley will play in the NBA. Yeah, I, I don't trust Kansas. So it's like Oregon, could Oregon make a run? They play like a funky style with their zones. But if they get to Iowa, Garza, they don't mind it. Anyone who can cover Garza. Iowa's playing more defense lately. So I think that we're set up here for Iowa-Gonzaga in a chalky region. They played earlier this year. Iowa competed. I think the final score was like 96-91. You could see another game like that. Um, and Gonzaga probably has too much firepower. But it's not that Iowa – it's not like Iowa can't win that game. Um, you know, they'll be five, six-point underdogs. I agree with you, by the way. To me, Gonzaga is a team that makes it all the way through to the finals. Here's the one thing that comes up every time with Gonzaga. And I – poo-poo this, but I want your opinion. Everyone says, can a team that's undefeated make its way all through the tournament? Can a team that doesn't play top flight competition make its way through the tournament? I have very specific thoughts on why these things shouldn't apply to Gonzaga, but what's your take? Yeah. I mean, look, I, I think every case is different. And in Gonzaga's case this year, earlier this season on a neutral court, they beat Kansas. 102 to 90. They beat Auburn, 90 to 67. They beat West Virginia, uh, 87, 82. They beat Iowa, 99, 88 was that final score. They beat Virginia, 98 to 75. All on neutral courts. What are the six? That's five or six tournament teams. Um, so yeah, the their conference was down this year. It's generally not great, um, and they ran through it like a hot knife through butter, predictably. I mean, BYU is a really good team, by the way, uh, arguably arguably a top 25 team in the nation, and they beat them twice uh, by double digits. So uh, the just all of the metrics are there. The talent is there. And then you go back and you say, hey, look, in the non-conference, they beat all of these tournament teams pretty handily and all on neutral courts. So um, I don't think that there's any concern about Gonzaga's schedule. Now, if they didn't, there are some teams that didn't play a non-conference schedule this year and just went right into a conference schedule. And given how poor Gonzaga's conference is this year, you could have questions and say, all right, do we really know how elite this team is? For example, Colgate, number eight in the net. They have really good shooters, but they played three teams all regular season. That's it, three. And they played them like four times each. They have Army, Holy Cross, and Lafayette. That's it. So, like – all their numbers, they're shooting 40% from three. They're holding teams at 25% from three. But, like, what does that really mean? They played three Patriot League teams all season. So, um, you have to look at – I think this this year you have to look at these teams just in a vacuum. There, there's so many different types of profiles, but I, I have no questions about how elite this Gonzaga team is uh, offensively. And then the difference is this year they're playing really good defense, which was a question last year, top 10 in adjusted efficiency – just like when they got to the national title, that defense is uh, championship worthy. Simon, pencil in Gonzaga for your final four. Just do it right now. No, I'm off of them. I like Iowa. I don't mind I the Iowa. I know anything. I know. That's, that's why. When everyone's telling you they like Gonzaga, like I was just thinking in my head, who was the last like legendary undefeated college basketball team? I, I feel like it was that Kentucky team that had all these first round draft picks. So I know Gonzaga is different than that, but I just remember that Kentucky team. They even I think it might have been maybe it was Butler. It was someone they ran into that was didn't have the biggest, the fastest, strongest guys. 
they just played that perfect game against a team that hadn't lost yet, that was feeling the pressure in that final two, three minutes. So I'm off Gonzaga. I like I like the fate of Gonzaga. Yeah, you're, you're, there's I think the number one overall seed is hasn't won at all in like seven years. Um, and you're talking about tw- I mean, I'm in Lexington. This is a sore subject for us here. But 2015 Kentucky, which was by far and away the best team in the country, one of the best teams of all time, talent wise. They ran into Wisconsin in the Final Four, um, but they, I mean, and they lost to Wisconsin. Wisconsin, that team had uh, Decker and Kaminsky. But if you you have to go back to my national championship, by the way, is Gonzaga, Illinois, as boring and predictable as that sounds. I 2005, North Carolina, Illinois, they were clearly the two best teams. Um, and that was, and they made the, the championship. Doesn't happen often. Um so I'm hoping that we get a repeat. I have Illinois. I picked Illinois to win it all preseason, so I'm sticking with my guns there. But if you want to go Houston in their region, if you want to go Iowa, those are like the teams that I could see beating Illinois, Oklahoma State, if they get through the first round. But I don't hate the Iowa pick because Iowa is a team that can score and can put up 90 and Gonzaga's off a little bit. They certainly can win, and not a lot of people will have it. So from a bracket perspective, I don't, I don't hate that pick, but I don't see Gonzaga losing before the Elite Eight for sure. I like this though, because Simon, who obviously is a professional better and has been doing it very successfully for a very long time. If someone is new to the podcast, I should have more properly introduced Simon because he's been doing the podcast with me for a year and he is a legit professional better who DM'd me on Twitter and said, I think I can make your podcast better because you're kind of smart, but you don't really know that much. And so this is a good opportunity for me to inform people so you don't make them dumber. And so now he's been on the podcast, but he doesn't bet college basketball but this is a good good way for like simon to take his professional betting wits and apply them to college basketball and i like that you're going contrarian with iowa let's go to the east because the east is a bracket that i think is wide open michigan the number one seed has injury issues they were fading down the stretch because of those injury issues uh i think that like this is a bracket stuck you know, start us off. There's like, there's some real opportunity here. Yeah. This one, take, take a shot in. Cause I think that there's two vulnerable number one seeds. We'll get to one uh, in another region, but Michigan is definitely one of them. The, and, oh, and like you look at Michigan and you look, all right, is there an eight, nine that can potentially scare a one and can a one get upset in the second round? And I look at a team like St. Bonaventure, who has an excellent, excellent big. And in Osun, in the middle, they are a great interior defense. He can basically defend Dickinson. And St. Bonaventure is a great defensive team, experienced, um, well-coached. They could, because of how they can cover Dickinson, because Dickinson is a nightmare matchup for most teams. And because of that, you either have to double him, and then he opens up all their great shooters. Michigan runs great offense as well. But yeah, Livers is hurt, but they can just guard him straight up, which is which is huge. But I don't know if St. Bonaventure can beat LSU. That's the problem. And if LSU beats St. Bonaventure, Hunter Dickinson might score 40 points on putbacks. LSU, one of the outside the top 300 in defensive rebounding. They have no one, no one who can cover Dickinson. I mean, Michigan could shoot 20 percent from three and he's just going to. He's just, he's just going to offensive rebound, put back dunk, put back. I mean, he would go crazy. So that game is. It's a mind fuck for me, but I, if you want to have Michigan going down, I can see them. LSU could score on anyone too, so they could potentially outscore Michigan. I have Michigan going down. 
personally in the Sweet 16 to Florida State, um, who I think is – I actually have them going to the Final Four. Stuck. No joke. So far, you have named three of the Final Four teams that I had uh, – publicly stated were the final four teams for me before the seedings. One of these teams now can't make it and we'll get to that region, but I have Florida state going to the final four as well. Gonzaga, Illinois, Florida state. I have all three of them. Um, talk to me about Florida state. Explain yourself. Wait, you're, I got to change my final four now. You have the same final four as me. Well, I don't know. I got 75% of it, but by the way, Sheesh. by the way, sometimes I'm really good at this. It might actually be in your favor. Chad Millman is proud of himself. Yeah, we'll see. I hope. <laughs> Otherwise I will make sure I'm, I, the pressure's on you is all I'll say. Uh, but Florida state, look, it's always on me. The pressure is always on me. And yet I carry it like a warm blanket. That brings everybody together. Okay. I don't know how to transition from that, but uh, Florida state, I guess they're, they're a warm blanket to me. They, they give me comfort because they are just so long and athletic and deep. And this is a team that just poses so many matchup problems because I mean, they just have pros and length all over the place and it's very difficult to cover them. And they're really good defensively. Is it? And we've seen it. Florida state has made runs to the sweet 16 elite eight. And by the way, if they get to the final four, and they face when, – when we gave out our final four picks before the bracket, I had Gonzaga and Florida State too. Um, Gonzaga and Florida State, the last two tournaments have faced each other. Um, and Florida State won the first one, and Gonzaga won the second one. So if they, if they meet in the final four, it would be the third straight tournament that they have faced each other. But just a really deep, long, talented team. They'll press. Um, they have so many options to score. They can really shoot the three, too, but they can also offensive rebound. They're long inside, protect the rim really well. Like, there's just not – they also shoot free throws really well this year. There's not a lot of weaknesses with this team. And UNC Greensboro, they press to unique style, which can give some teams trouble. And Florida State has turned the ball over some this year. Florida State also presses. These are two of the top five press defenses in the country. Florida State's actually been pretty good against the press this year. I, I, they're just such an athleticism advantage here. I also think they would get by the winner of Georgetown, Colorado, uh, and then the vulnerable Michigan. And when you get to Michigan, if Michigan gets there, they have the size inside seven footers that that can guard Dickinson and they can match up on the perimeter and they can create mismatches with their athleticism. So it's just a really talented team. Sometimes they have these like stinkers, which, which, does concern me a bit. Um, they did one at Notre Dame. They lost by about 30 with a chance to win the ACC. Um, but uh, I trust all the talent, athleticism, and they've, they've, Leonard Hamilton has been recent years, has been pretty trustworthy in the tournament. <clears throat> Simon, I want to see if you can guess the team Stucky wants to talk about that is the live wire uh, under you know, 13 seed in this bracket? Mm. I can't. I can't. I can't think of it off the top of my head. Stucky, do you want to say it or do you want me to say it? You can say it. Abilene Christian. <laughs> why that is, is a name drop. Why is Abilene Christian, Stucky, the team that you think can advance against 
a uh, Texas team that just won its conference that has the ever hot coach and Shaka Smart. Um, give me some explanations here. Well, I actually don't. Well, I think they can, but I don't. Have, I haven't picked them. I love this team coming in. It's one of the most aggressive. It's they're very long, very long for a mid major. One of the most aggressive defenses in the entire country. They'll press you a bit. They trap everything. They're just into the passing lanes. They are number one in the nation in, in turnover rate defensively, and just an outstanding defense. And they have a seven footer. I think seven foot one Colton Cole in the middle which not a lot of these mid-major teams have. They run everything through him on offense. It's one of the heaviest post offenses in the country, and they have shooters all around him. So it's just a very dangerous team with a unique scheme. And Texas does have turnover issues. They turn the ball over a lot. The thing that worries me, and this Abilene Christian team is very talented, very well coached. They, have a, they, they are unique, but they play almost the same defense as Texas Tech. This no middle, don't let you get into the paint, Put move everything out. And, and Texas faced them three times. Additionally, Texas has a couple seven-footers themselves. So unlike these other teams that Abilene Christian is used to playing and could have matched up with, where Colton Cole, the seven-footer, they run all their offense through, usually have to crash down on him, usually have to help on him. He takes, I think, 33% of their shots. But then he can kick it out, and they have all – they have great shooters all around him. But Texas – doesn't have to do that. Plus, Abilene Christian, because of how aggressive they play, they foul a ton. And besides some of the Texas bigs, all the Texas guards are automatic at the line. So that's what scares me here. I liked Abilene Christian coming in to the tournament. I don't like the matchup, but I wouldn't be shocked if they win. And if I don't really love any lower 13 through 16 seats here, if I had to pick one, and I'm not in my bracket, but that's probably the one I would go with. Texas has some lapses mentally on defense sometimes. Brown, they're really talented. He's really talented, but he checks out and he turns it over too much. So, yeah, I, I could see it, but just it's not the best matchup for me. And I think Texas is undervalued in the market. They've lost a ton of close games. And a lot of those close games to really good teams came when, after they were dealing with COVID. So I think a lot of their numbers are, de- are depressed because of that. Um, they're peaking at the right time. And they have the length inside they can shoot. Um, so I think Texas finds a way. But out of all the th- 13 through 15 seeds in this region, um, Abilene Christian would be the one I would target. All right. Simon, uh, just put in your bracket Florida State for the Final Four. I want you, You're going to get Iowa and you're going to get – Who are they Florida playing? State. Florida State versus who? I have leading. Florida State versus, versus Texas. But if you want to go – that the bottom is, is really interesting because no, Alabama no, – no, 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 no. Simon – this is your final four so far. <laughs> Iowa, you're going to get Iowa playing Florida State in the final four with one of those teams going to the finals because you're going to get the East region playing the West region. And now we're going to go to the Midwest. I, I, well, I have to say beforehand, I won big on Bama for the conference. I'm all in on Alabama. I got them in my final four. Them and Iowa are on my, uh, on my side for this. Uh, Bama could get there. Bama could get there. It's a tough path. I mean – but they could certainly get there. I mean, UConn's not going to be easy in the second round with Book Knight and then a Texas team. And they're just, Bama's playing second overall adjusted defensive efficiency. That's the difference this year. But they are still very three point reliant. So if they have an off shooting night against one of these better teams, it, it could be lights. But they, and then they'd have to beat Florida State. They can get there, though. Them, if you want to take a shot with UConn, I don't hate that at all. Simon, you and I are going to have our own little 
bracket and I am going to be on Florida State and Gonzaga and you can be on Iowa and Bama and see how that works out for us. Thanks, Chad. Yep, I'm writing it down just so you know. I'm taking notes because I got to do fucking everything. All right, let's go to the Midwest because actually you mentioned stuff like Illinois. We both have Illinois coming out of this bracket. Look, they've played 13 quad one opponents. They've actually had 13 quad one wins most in the country. What upsets me about this bracket is that I love Houston. I love Loyola. I loved Georgia Tech before you gave that news that someone that could potentially be important might not play. I feel like the selection committee always does this. They put the teams that gamblers love into the same bracket and they screw us. And they did it with Houston because Houston was the other team. I had Florida State, Illinois, Houston, and Gonzaga in the final four before the seedings were announced. Yeah, I, I don't like the draw either. I mean, I, Illinois was my team before the season. All summer, I pimped them out. They have, because, uh, you know, you have two pros that are coming back. And then I, they have these freshmen and a transfer that I loved. And I thought, look, in this ridiculous Big Ten, they're only going to get better and better as they approach March. And they did. But if you want to be a contrarian, you probably don't want Illinois. If you want to, like, go into the final. But this is a team that I've said is going to win it all year. <clears throat> so, I, I'd be a clown if I if I didn't have them winning it now. So I'm just sticking with my guns. But you, a Houston, you want to go with a good contrarian pick of a team that is really rock solid. You can have Houston going to the Final Four here, and I wouldn't hate it. But I, I think Illinois is the second best team in the country. Said that they're going to win it all from the start of the year. So I have them beating Gonzaga. As boring as that sounds, but because of that, I, my bracket's basically going to come down to Illinois winning it, right? And then I'm going to have to because a lot of people are going to have Illinois and Gonzaga in the final. So I'm taking some other shots in the Midwest because if I'm right with a couple other upsets, then I'm going to make up some ground. If I'm wrong, it's not really going to kill me as long as Illinois comes out of the region. So that's the way that I'm thinking about the Midwest. Is there anybody in the bottom half of that bracket that you think is competitive? Yeah. I mean, I don't think anyone is beating Houston until the Elite Eight, but if you want to give Syracuse a, a run to the Sweet 16, maybe to the Elite Eight. We've seen it before. They could easily lose. I mean, they're underdog in the first round. This Syracuse in the zone, it's tough to prepare for. Um, it's a unique scheme. Once they get out of conference, teams aren't used to seeing it. And look, they could score this year. Buddy beheim has been on fire. That's a team that's dangerous. And then, you know, they get into the second round against West Virginia. They West Virginia is a vulnerable three seed. But I also took a shot up top with Illinois, and I have Liberty going to the Sweet 16 to play Illinois. Almost everyone is going to have Oklahoma State and Cade Cunningham there, and it could easily happen. Um, but if it doesn't, and Illinois, as long as Illinois wins that game, it won't kill my bracket. Um, and Oklahoma State, I think, is vulnerable in the first round. Cade Cunningham will probably make enough plays down the stretch to win and pull it out, as he's done so many times this year. But Liberty is the worst possible matchup for Oklahoma State as a 13-4. And then in the next round against Tennessee, another miserable matchup. Liberty packs it in defensively. They make you beat them from the outside. Oklahoma State, what they want to do is they want to get to the rim. They want to get out in transition. They don't want to shoot threes. It's not a great three-point shooting team. Liberty makes you be a three-point shooting team. Liberty takes away all of your transition opportunities. They don't crash the offensive glass. They get back. They're one of the slowest teams in the nation, and they can shoot. I think they have seven guys that are over 36% from three, four over 40. So they play slow. 
They grind the game out. They can take away everything Oklahoma State wants to do. Because they pack it in also, they're, they don't have a lot of size, but they're good on the defensive glass, and Oklahoma State likes to live on the offensive glass. It's a top, They're top 20 in getting to the rim in the nation. Liberty top 20 in preventing teams from getting to the rim. Oklahoma State really good in transition. Liberty is does not let you get out in transition. And Liberty's going to make you shoot. Oklahoma State doesn't want to shoot. So, And they're going to slow the game down. So unlike Colgate, who can really shoot, we still don't know a lot about them, they play fast. They're, I think they're 25th in adjusted tempo, whereas Liberty, I think, is like 345th or, or some, somewhere way down there. So fewer possessions, more variance. If Liberty's hitting their shots, um, it's a bad match for Oklahoma State. And then in the next round, they play a Tennessee offense that in the half court is just lost. They need to get out in transition. They need to unleash their athletes, and they can't really shoot. So Liberty is a team that if they're making their shots, and they have, they're one of the best three-point shooting teams in the country, um, and because of their style and how they match up with Oklahoma State, um, because of how they match up with Oklahoma State, yeah, the 348th in adjusted tempo. Because of how they play, three-point variance, slow the game down, fewer possessions, they make their threes. It's, it's, a, uh, it's a scary team to play. So I have them as one of the teams going to the Sweet 16 as a lower seed. My two going to the Sweet 16 are Liberty and Ohio. Upset alert. I was just about to um, remind people of the bracket busters because there's a lot of information to process. So I wanted to condense and sort of organize for people. So far, coming out of the West, we like Gonzaga for the Final Four but we do like Ohio as a bracket buster to get to the sweet 16. And just so people, when they're thinking about it, if you want to win your brackets, you got to choose upsets in the first two rounds. you got to figure out which teams are going to get there. And then after the sweet 16, it ends up being pretty chalky. Like the teams that are better tend to win. When you get to the final four, you're usually loaded with ones and two seats. So the bracket buster out of the West, I would say is Ohio uh, out of the East. Stucky and I both like Florida state. Simon, um, you know, he's silly. He likes Alabama. But I am calling the bracket buster out of the East, Abilene Christian. Then out of the Midwest, uh, the bracket buster will be Liberty. And we both like Illinois. But Simon, do you have a Final Four team from the Midwest? Do you like Illinois? Do you like Houston at the two seed? What is your thinking? And thanks to Stucky, man. He, I don't know if it was your first show of the college seasons. I know you were doing something NFL. It might have been December, but it feels like it was November. That was one of your teams you talked about, and you're hyping them up, Illinois. And I didn't really know much about them. I knew they had a couple guys who were returning, so they like they seemed like a good team. So I bet it, and I literally went to Philadelphia a week later. I saw even better odds in Philadelphia, so I bet it again. And they came through, man. They they really dominated uh, this year. And coming to this position, I always like to look for that one seed that everyone's really talking about than the next team that people are talking about. And you have to pick either one of them. You can't pick both because rarely it's going to work out for you, like Stuck was saying. So I don't like Gonzaga. I still love Illinois. So for, for my only one seed I'm taking in the finals is Illinois. I got them uh, playing in the very, the very end. Wow. I did not see that coming. All right. So you and I are both going to have Illinois. Got it. The two bracket busters that I have, just want to clarify this point again, Ohio and Liberty. I'm both going to the Sweet 16 both playing the teams that I have winning it all. And if those teams don't go to the final, I'm probably not going to win my bracket. So if those upsets don't happen, it's not going to kill me, right? Because I, I still at the end, am going to have my teams that I need to win it go through. So that's where I took a shot where I, I, I'm going to have just a couple upsets. And then I have to hope that my Illinois and Gonzaga gets through. All right. Let's talk about 
the South? Because we mentioned the East being a region where we don't think the number one uh, has a particular lock on a path to the Final Four. The other one is the South and Baylor. I know, I don't think you disagree with me here. Baylor, to me, is a pretty vulnerable number one, not because they're playing the University of Hartford, which, no joke, if I cut down every tree and every house on the five blocks from here in front of me, I would see the University of Hartford campus here in West Hartford, Connecticut. Uh, why do you think Baylor is vulnerable here? They just haven't been the same since coming back from a COVID break. And they were really hit hard. They had a number of players that came down with the virus. They were on an extended break. This is a team that was rolling. In my power ratings, I had them, depending on the day, like it was, okay, Gonzaga's number one. And then the next day, Baylor would roll, and I would have Baylor number one. Like they were the two clear best teams. And then it was Illinois I had next, which was a step below in Michigan. Michigan injuries. Drop them a little further. Illinois just continued to surge up to that number two spot. And Baylor, they've just they dropped a couple games. Their defense, it's just not been the same. They look a step slow. Uh, maybe they can get back to that level, but it's just it's tough. They, they they haven't they haven't yet. Maybe they can fight it in this tournament. But from what I've seen in the Big Twelve tournament with their defense, um, they're just not at that same level as they were earlier in the season. So. I definitely think they're a vulnerable one. If they put it all together, they can win it all for sure. Um, but I'm, I think this is a good chance to go against a one just like Michigan and pick someone else coming out of this region to go to the final four. I, I will probably have two or three brackets in a different contest. I think in all three of them, I'll end up with different final four teams in the South. Who do you like the most? coming out of this because there, there's a lot of maybes and there are some teams, there is one team in particular in this region that I think has Illinois tendencies and has not gotten the credit it deserves that is similar to what Illinois has gotten in the last, say, eight weeks of the season. Yeah, I mean, well, I will say Purdue hasn't got enough credit, but it's Arkansas for me. Yes, Arkansas. it's Arkansas. Woo, pig suey. You have Arkansas in the Final Four too? Yes. Oh my gosh. All four? Oh man, I'm fucked. But um, here's the problem. Here honestly stuck. I might have Arkansas. I might we might have the same final four by osmosis. It might just be from listening to you doing the college basketball podcast on the Action Network. Because okay. obviously I would have the same tendencies as you because I'm listening to what you're saying. Like Simon. Okay. I'm riding you to that the makes bank. Me feel, that makes me feel better. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I have Arkansas come out. They've been look, and some of their overall numbers deflated because they haven't been fully healthy all year and once justin smith came back and they've been fully, they've been amazing uh huge winning streak up until i lost this past weekend in the sec tournament don't fault them for that loss at all this is a team that doesn't really have many flaws at all super athletic really good offense many different options not too reliant on any one player or part of their game they can match up with a lot of teams defensively colgate is a scary First round opponent because they could shoot. But again, it's like, I, and I also don't know how good Colgate is. They've only played three teams, but the athletic mismatch in that game is drastic, um, which I think Arkansas and, and they, and Colgate just plays so fast. And they both, I mean, this totals at 160 and a half or 161. So with that many possessions, it's hard to, for a team that's significantly less talented to overcome that talent gap. 
with, with, you know, rooting for variants, but Colgate can shoot. They'll be scary, but I think Arkansas gets through that game and then, you know, they could get to Ohio state and that could be a shootout, but I like Arkansas there too. So yeah, I like Arkansas coming out of it. They've been really consistent since being healthy. They don't have many weaknesses. I think it's a team trending in the right direction. Um, and not many people are really talking about the hogs and it kills me to say it because that means Colin is happy. Woo pig suey. Right. You're talking about your friend, my friend, your co-host on the Action Network podcast, Colin Wilson, who is from Arkansas, went to Arkansas, is an avowed Arkansas booster, the head of the Eric Musselman fan club. He's been talking about him all season. Is there a, so I agree with you, is there a bracket buster that comes out of this? Or is it, well, is there a bracket buster? Um... I don't, I mean, if you want to get crazy, it's Colgate, but I don't see it. Um, but they, they, they have the shooting if they're hot. I just think that because they play so fast, it's, I, I can't see it there. Winthrop's an interesting team because Villanova without Gillespie has not been the same. They can easily win that game as a 12 versus five. They'll have trouble with Purdue's interior though. So I don't know. I think their ceiling is capped there. The so I don't think this is a really good region to go with a a bracket buster. I haven't. I have. I use this region as all right. Let me have Purdue or Arkansas come out of it and Baylor go down. I don't have many upsets. If you want to get wild, some people do. Some people want to pick a fifteen, and it happens. Then you want to pick Oral Roberts. Um, this team does not defend. Uh, Ohio State's probably going to score eighty five, eighty. They could score. They could maybe score ninety, but Oral Roberts is one of the best offenses in the country. Um, they have two players. They have the leading scorer in the nation, by the way. And Max Asmus, he's tremendous. Um, him and then Obadard in the middle. He's averaging nineteen and nine. But Asmus can go for forty. He they played at Oklahoma State earlier this year. They lost, I think, ninety three eighty eight. They lost by five at Wichita State. They lost like 87-80. They were in the game to late at Arkansas. This is a team that'll just score. And um, Aces could put up 40, realistically. They will not defend, but Ohio State is a terrible defense on the perimeter. Terrible in pick and roll. Very vulnerable defensively on the perimeter. Or Roberts can take advantage. Aces will have to probably go for 40. They will have to, this would have to, this could be a thriller. Like if Oral Roberts is hitting their shots, um, it's a very three-point reliant team which you really like when you're picking an upset. Uh, and they, their three-point frequency is, I think, is top 25 in the nation. They shoot the three at 39%. So shoot a ton of threes, make a ton of threes, and they can score. Ohio State's vulnerable in what they're good at when they defend. The problem is Ohio State's offense is awesome, and Oral Roberts does not defend any, anybody. They won't defend at all. Um, so they're like – they played Denver, one of the worst teams in the nation already this year, and they won 88-84 and 91-82 like, against Denver, who I think is like the fourth worst team in the country. So um, they're, Ohio State's going to score at will, but if you think that Oral Roberts just goes bonkers and they have the nation's leading score, they have two legit pro-level players. They have the offense that could do it if Ohio State's a little off. And if Kyle Young, who's important to them, didn't play, uh, he got hurt last weekend. If he's not available – that only helps. Um, so Oral Roberts is, a, is an intriguing high variance team. The problem is they play really fast and they're not going to get many stops. But if you want to get crazy, that's like the 15 seed that I think has the offense to actually do it. By the way, that game, 
Simon, that Ohio State Oral Roberts game, that's where I want you to put all your money on the over. So I wanted to ask Stuck about this conference. I had a tough time picking. And I know you just said what's going on with Villanova, but doesn't Jay Wright just have such a huge advantage all over all these other coaches that even when he's lacking the talent, when it's in March Madness like this, it's such a huge advantage having a guy like him that he's won two national championships. He seems like he never gets flustered by the moment. We have a bunch of teams where you're saying they're all kind of the same and you both are landed on Arkansas, but it doesn't seem like there's one glaring overpowered team in this conference. Am I, am I thinking too much taking Villanova to be in my final four? Yeah. I mean, I just haven't, they lost Colin Gillespie who's probably their most important player. They're, other starting guard, Justin Moore, he's hurt. Like he played last game, but he didn't look right. They played two games since losing Gillespie. They lost against Providence, who's not good this year. And then they lost to Georgetown, which in hindsight, it doesn't look as bad of a loss. But he was so important for that offense. And he was the guy, the creator. And they had such pretty ball movement and they would generate so many open shots. And Gillespie, he was also the on floor leader. So it's a big loss to try and then, even as brilliant as Jay Wright is. And I think that he, 100% deserves the benefit of the doubt and that he can potentially put something together here. But this Villanova team defensively was already flawed, especially inside. The Winthrop is really good, by the way. But the, my problem is I don't know if – I can't trust Villanova putting it all together for a Final Four run. I don't even know if they're going to win in the first round because I just haven't seen enough. But if you want to give Jay Wright the benefit of the doubt to go to the Sweet 16, that's fine. My biggest problem is they are very weak on the interior. They don't have Gillespie on – the outside now, they're going to go against Purdue and their bigs. Um, that would be, I think, a really bad matchup. Now, the what fits the profile as a bracket buster would be North Texas because well-coached, grind. They want to play a game 52-50. to 50. They are one of the slowest teams in the nation. They shoot a lot of threes. Purdue gives up a lot of threes. So that could be a, a potential bracket buster. My problem there is Purdue is one of the best posts in – all of college basketball. Trevion Williams is excellent. Zach Eadie's really come on. They just have so much size. And Simmons is a good interior defender, but I, I don't think that he could stun a person. So whenever Purdue needs a bucket, even though this game could have a lot of high variance because there's going to be a lot of threes and it's going to be low scoring. Total, I think, is 126. I think whenever Purdue needs a bucket down the stretch, they can go in to Williams or Eadie, and, and that's going to be the difference for Purdue. But North Texas fits the profile. You want a lot of threes, low scoring game, higher variance. But I just haven't seen enough with Villanova post Gillespie it's tough to recreate your offense, even for Jay Wright, but you're not incorrect in saying that, hey, I'm going to give Jay Wright the benefit of the doubt here. I'm going to switch him out right now because like what we said makes sense. I know he's out, so that makes sense. That That's why people are doubting them. So listen, I'm going to make an executive decision right now. I'm going to say that in the South, I'm looking at my notes, our bracket buster, and by the way, a bracket buster doesn't have to go to the Sweet 16. You just got to be smart enough to make the right call for the first and or second round, I'm calling Winthrop in the first round. I am putting it on Winthrop. That is going to be how I'm going to accrue a lot of extra points when I'm building my bracket. And then like you stuck, I like Arkansas going to the final four, probably because I've heard you say it a thousand times. Yeah. And you just, when you want to pick one of these bracket busters, you want to be really confident in another team in that half, making it to the lead eight or to the final four where if because the worst what will ruin your bracket is if you pick one of these bracket busters and then that team and they don't win and then that team ends up going to the final four right and you had you lost all those points along the way and other people are going to have that team going to the final four so when you want to pick one of these upsets you want to be very confident in another team 
that is going to make it to the lead eight. So if it doesn't happen, it's not going to kill your whole bracket. Simon, who now knowing what you know now about uh, Jay Wright and Villanova, what would you say about the South region for you? Just because I don't want to copy you guys, I'll, I'll I'll roll with Purdue. They like that's I just like Big Ten teams, so it's kind of a cop out, but they were the only other team that like I really know a lot about, and I know like what he was saying, like they're great defensively and they can shoot threes, and like when it comes to tournament time, that's what I'm looking for. So it, it makes me a little nervous where he says they can lose in the first round, but what can what can you do? I, I just don't want to follow the masses, take Arkansas, and I I do not like Baylor, so I'll, I'll ride with Purdue. Look, I'm fine with that. I mean, I feel in this instance, I kind of know more than you. And so I'm fine with you guessing. And it's the one time during the year where I get to be a little bit sharper. Maybe because I have listened to every episode of the Action Network podcast, uh, the college basketball version with uh, Colin Stuckey. So I am, I'm loaded. Locked in. Uh, and and Mr. Randall. And I have uh, I have two brackets already that I've filled out for contests. Probably do one more in another contest. I could change them, but as of now, I have Arkansas in the final four in one and Purdue in the other. So all right. All right. There you go. All right. So then our bracket busters to remind everybody in the West, we like Ohio as our bracket buster. We like Ohio getting to the sweet 16, but we like Gonzaga making it to the final four. Uh, we like in the East, we're going to go, I am going with Abilene Christian to beat Texas in the first round. That will be our bracket buster there, but we like Florida state to make it to the final four in the Midwest. We like Illinois to make it to the final four, but we do like Liberty as our bracket buster. And then in the South, we like Winthrop to at least win a first round game, most likely of the teams that sort of have a chance that are underdogs. We like Arkansas or Purdue to go to the final four. That's going to win people some brackets. And in this time of COVID where people have not had a chance to do brackets together since Virginia won it all, I think we've provided a service, fellas. We'll find out. Chad, before we go, I got to show this off. I pulled it out just for you and Cowherd. So this is Jimmy V. It's from uh, 2003. It has your signature on there. It has Berman. It has Pat Summerall, Michael Jordan. We got Vince Carter. And then Colin Cowherd, you and Chad on the same thing. Look at that. Both signed this. 2003, Chad. What is that from? Just so people know, you pulled a frame off the wall that is a picture of Jimmy Jimmy Valvano from 2003? Yeah, and it's signed by all these famous people. And then for some reason, you're on it. That's Um, so random. I don't even remember signing that. (laughs) It's really random. I mean, the names on here are super random. Like Shaquille O'Neal's on here. So yeah, it's a pretty... Pretty cool piece where I think it was one of those, um, it was at Pinehurst. It was like a Jimmy V foundation auction thing. So, so I, I didn't know when did you and you and Cowherd started, you guys were both working East Bend in 2003. Definitely. I mean, Colin was there. Colin was, I'm pretty sure Colin was there in 2003. Look at that, man. So I've, yeah, I've had your guys' names hanging on my wall these years and now you're both my employers. That's pretty, pretty random. Unbelievable. Well, listen. Uh, yeah, wait, is this picture? About- what year is this pic? I was I was told to show this to you. <laughs> what what picture, year is what that? Is that? Oh, see? that is uh, when uh, Colin, jet black hair. Colin's Sunday football show. That is um, when Colin was the pioneer at ESPN who started a football show and said, I have to have gambling on it. And I remember very clearly we were walking through the hallway of building two, which is where all the radio studios are and where Colin did his radio show. And he's like, hey, listen, 
I'm starting this uh, football show on Sundays. I want to do gambling. I want to do gambling for like 10 minutes. I think it'd be amazing. I think that's what the people really want because I want you to come on. Can you do 10 minutes of gambling? I'm like, yeah, I can do that. And so- What year uh, is this? What year is this? I would say 2000. No, I was, well, by the way, I was at ESPN 98 to 2017. So this would have been in like 2013, maybe 2012, 2013. And uh, yeah, he asked me to come do it. And then we started doing it. And he had this show that was super fun, great producers, really creative. And he had me come on and do gambling segments. And we'd sit there for 15 minutes talking about who was going to win and lose. It was a blast. Now you're back I, together, man. Full now circle. we're back together. Back together. The Volume Network, this has been The Favorites. This was our inaugural show on The Volume Network. I am Chad Millman for my co-host, Simon Hunter, for our friend and colleague from the Action Network, Stucky. Uh, you can download the podcast at Apple Podcasts, at Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. We'll be back on Thursday with Simon and a panel of experts with more interesting information than you can possibly imagine. Let's roll on The Volume Network. Until next time, love you.